This is 89.1 WEMU, and I'm David Fair. Welcome to the November edition of The Green Room. In previous installments of this multi-part series, we've explored the web of pipelines that lay under our feet, their safety, and potential impacts to our water quality. Last month, we found decisions on pipelines are made by appointees of the state governor and the U.S. president. They base pipeline decisions on what is in the best interests of the public good. In our final installment, Barbara Lucas explores the question, what is the public good? Early 2017, it's the largest solar array in Michigan so far. Renewables expert Matt Wagner is leading a tour of DTE's solar installation in Lapeer, Michigan. It's enough panels to, on, on a good day to power, plus or minus 11,000 homes. Uh, we're very proud of it. Considering solar's virtues, why do we continue to build pipelines? Ed Rivett, executive director of the Michigan Conservative Energy Forum, is a speaker on the tour. He says the almighty dollar rules, and currently fossil fuels win out. In our quest to minimize costs for customers, he feels we aren't counting the dollars correctly. If you haven't internalized the externality of the cost of the, the pollution environmentally and health-wise, then you haven't really captured the whole cost of that fossil fuel. So as a policy analyst by training, it's like, look, you got to count all the numbers. If you want to give me a numbers argument, count all the numbers. Pipeline proposal requests are in the hands of the five-member Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, or FERC. Of the approximately 400 received since 1999, they've denied only two pipelines. Carl Weimer of the nonprofit Pipeline Safety Trust says the calculation is simple. A company can come and prove that they have customers. Well, that, that's enough for FERC to approve a pipeline because that shows there's a need if you have a customer willing to buy the stuff you're going to move through the pipeline. But that definition of the public good may change. Um, even FERC is right now kind of re-examining that position and rethinking whether they need to take a deeper look at need being more than just having a customer, especially as we start looking at climate change and how does putting new pipelines in the ground lock us into a system that might be affecting the climate. When it comes to the Line 5 pipeline in Michigan Straits of Mackinac, opponents are quick to point out the climate change repercussions. Over 700 miles of shoreline are vulnerable to oil spill. But even when it doesn't spill, every day there's a carbon spill into the atmosphere when this oil is being burned. That's Kate Madigan, director of the Michigan Climate Action Network. And that's the greenhouse gas equivalent of 71 coal-fired power plants, or about 62 million cars. I'm watching an ad from the National Petroleum Institute, which says U.S. CO2 emissions are down 25% thanks to natural gas. But what about methane leakage, which is common during natural gas production and pipeline transport? According to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, over a two-decade time span, methane has 86 times the global warming potential of carbon dioxide. We have found that if that leakage is at 3% or more, that from the perspective of climate change, that it is essentially just as bad as coal or worse. That's J.C. Kibbe of the Union of Concerned Scientists. So switching directly from coal to natural gas is really not going to get us where we need to go in terms of the urgent issue uh, of climate change. Hi. Hi, how are you? Scientists say we've been underestimating the amount of methane leakage. 
Dr. Eric Court of the University of Michigan is a climate and space science engineer. His team is using instruments on the ground, in aircraft, and on satellites to pinpoint the location of previously undetected methane leaks. There really is a tremendous opportunity if it's easier to identify where we're losing gases, it's easier to then address that. So now that we can find them, why aren't they all being fixed? Issue at play is it might cost significant money up front to measure it, to identify it, and to repair it. And so what's your time horizon for investment? Is it worth investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in a repair that will only pay off over many years? These are economic decisions from a business. Currently, the Trump administration is seeking to relax Obama-era rules that require oil and gas companies to look for and repair methane leaks. They say doing so will save almost a half a billion dollars from 2019 to 2025 and support the domestic energy sector. Kate Madigan is concerned we're weighing short-term economic gain more than long-term public good. The writing is on the wall that we're going to be moving off of fossil fuels, so I think the fossil fuel industry, the pipeline companies want to build as many pipelines as they can right now so that they can extract in as much as, as possible while they can. Madigan feels the financial impacts to the broader society should be considered when making decisions about pipelines. We are paying a price for carbon emissions. People are paying that in, you know, by in the impacts um, from climate change that we're now seeing um, in insurance companies and and cities and states and, and governments are paying for this as well. We're paying for it with our tax money. She's referring to weather impacts, but health impacts from emissions cost money as well. Guy Williams is president of Detroiters Working for Environmental Justice. So for example, what about the $6 billion drag on our economy that we're getting from the sick people, right? That's something that's not really getting factored into the pricing of the sources of that air pollution. So fossil fuels can benefit the public good economically if we don't include their full costs. Another public benefit is offered by DTE's Matt Wagner. He says our current economy relies on baseload, the ready availability of fossil fuels that can be fired up at a moment's notice. Renewables is, um, by virtue of you know the fact that it's powered by wind and solar, is intermittent at times. You know you can't always guarantee that it's there, and so baseload is still needed. Ensuring a reliable source of energy. That's a public service the Michigan Public Service Commission tries to provide. It factored into their approval of DTE's proposal for a new almost billion dollar gas plant in St. Clair County. Clearly, being able to store wind and solar energy for later use would be a game changer. Guy Williams says pricing carbon to reflect its true costs would catalyze that change. It would cause innovation to, to fix that issue. We would drive innovation. Many countries, including Canada, have priced carbon in pursuit of their public good. Can Americans be convinced that such change would be in our best interests as well? Here's Dr. Elizabeth Anderson, Chair of Philosophy at the University of Michigan. So we've been through an energy transition before and it's time for a new one. For instance, the centuries-long pursuit of whale oil for lighting. No reason to hunt down sperm whales today and no reason to continue reliance on fossil fuels either. 
She says the lack of accounting for the full costs allows profit to be made off of highly destructive activities. But it is possible to change the rules of the game to channel people's profit motives to things that are a net benefit to human beings and future generations. She says the American way of life can still thrive. Business is an essential tool, resource, for building an environmentally better future. There's no inherent conflict between a sustainable future and a future in which profit-making businesses play a very prominent role. Indeed, ExxonMobil recently donated a million dollars to Americans for Carbon Dividends. That group promotes taxing coal, gas, and oil at the point of extraction. This allows less carbon-intensive products to shine price-wise. Other companies in support include BP, General Motors, Shell, and Total. There is still profit to be made with a carbon tax, but on cleaner energies. And if natural gas byproducts like methane are taxed too, as some proposals advocate, then renewables look all the better. In these scenarios, more pipelines might not be in our collective best interest. In the Green Room, I'm Barbara Lucas, 89.1 WEMU News. The Green Room is a presentation of the WEMU News Department and is heard on the last Friday of each month. To visit the Green Room archive, visit our website at wemu.org. I'm David Fair, and this is 89.1 WEMU-FM and WEMU-HD1 Ypsilanti.